So uh, Northwestern, the three-game winning streak uh, came to an end last night. And, you know, it happens because it was their fourth game uh, in eight days. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On Northwestern, your daily podcast on the Northwestern Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome in. This is Locked On Northwestern, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We appreciate you tuning in and making Locked On Northwestern your first listen every single day. We're available wherever you get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you can find us. And we're also on YouTube. Just search Locked On Northwestern. You can find us there. Uh, wherever you're listening, make sure you're subscribed and you turn on notifications. You don't want to miss an episode uh, as we continue to pump out content. Very basketball heavy right now, uh, given the the thir- six games and 13 days stretch that Northwestern's in the middle of right now. Uh, today's show is also brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make sure, make every moment more with FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today to get started. All right, so Northwestern last night went on the road uh, against Iowa. Uh, It was a great opportunity for them uh, on the road against a top 40 team in the Ken Palm and in the net rankings. A very, very explosive Iowa team on offense. Um, number seven in the Ken Palm in offensive efficiency had hit something like 60 or 70 free throws more uh, than their opponents had attempted this year. They were a very good offensive team, led the Big Ten in offense, I do believe, going against a very good defensive team in Northwestern, number 22 in defensive efficiency. Um, and, you know, it was all, it was Northwestern's fourth game in eight days. Um, in this stretch where coming off that eight-day COVID pause, and that's going to continue to be a storyline because no team in the country is going through what Northwestern is going through right now. And so you look at it, and there's this this fatigue factor that nobody else uh, is going through because it's a grind right now. And you combine that with some of the other, I guess, concerns. I mean, obviously, Northwestern's legs, uh, the, the depth, is a concern because of how many games they have played in the last uh, week and a day uh, with Julian Roper still out uh, with his ankle injury. Just a lot of reasons for you not to expect Northwestern to win this game. And there are six and a half point underdogs in this game last night. Um, I think people were counting them out. Um, and it makes sense, I guess. I do think that these are this, this was a battle between two very good teams. Uh, the positives coming in, you obviously have the three-game winning streak with the 66-63 victory uh, over Wisconsin, and then you had the the back-to-back wins against Nebraska on the road uh, and against Minnesota at home as you really – kind of flexed your muscles there and got a couple 15-point victories that Northwestern hasn't had in an extremely, extremely long time. 
Uh, and, you know, it was it was great to see this Northwestern team playing good ball um, with those previous two wins with the um, you had 78, 50, 63 at Nebraska, 81 at 60 uh, to 61 against Minnesota. Uh, the team was playing a just more cohesive brand of basketball. The ball movement was a lot better. The half court sets were were really good. Um, it frustrated me at first coming out of the COVID pause, but I now understand having watched this team a lot more. It felt like Northwestern would take up nine of the 10 seconds getting the ball across half court, but Boo Booey was using that time to let his guys catch a breath, take their time, not get worn out. Um, they were shooting the ball better over this stretch as well. Uh, they'd shot it well from three. They'd done pretty well from two as well. Um, they continued to shoot the free throw pretty well for the most part with kind of Matt uh, Nicholson being the the anchor of the group. They've got, I believe it was, what, three of the top four three free throw shooting players in the conference. I think this game may have had all four, according to the broadcast, um, last night. And another positive that we saw kind of coming in was the emergence of Nick Martinelli, the, the freshman who had barely had any playing time until Julian Roper went out, continues to kind of give these quality minutes off the bench. And you don't, it's not a drastic drop off when he's on the court. Um, it's like finding a, a walk on or just adding a scholarship player out of nowhere in the middle of the season when you absolutely have to have it with the way he was playing. And it was great. Uh, as a as a true freshman, kind of a bigger guy, uh, has a nice little shot. His little like pull up jump shots on the baseline have been pretty lethal um, so far in this little run that he has had. Storylines coming in. Northwestern had lost eight in a row in this matchup. Uh, fourth game in eight days, obviously. Northwestern got routed against Iowa last time out, 112 to 76 in the Big Ten tournament last year. Uh, they've never won at the Carver Hawkeye arena under Chris Collins. Uh, and they have not won since 2017 in this matchup. Uh, and then of course, last night was the game that was honoring, uh, Chris Stewart. Um, and that was a big storyline coming in. There was the, the documentary special after the game on the big 10 network, um, just extra like, um, kind of emotional energy in the arena in Iowa's favor. Kind of all of those things set up what was a really good matchup between two teams. Maybe not the best matchups in terms of style of play for Northwestern, uh, but it promised to be a pretty good game. It just, your only concern for me really was how does Northwestern stack up depth-wise? How does the fatigue factor play in? Um, and I think we saw that play out over the course of this game. Uh, and we'll talk about how this game played out here in a second. But first, we got to talk about our friends at FanDuel. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner uh, for Locked On because it's the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet on Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat 
first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 in bonus bets if you if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. Uh, and, you know, I mean, in that Super Bowl, um, I think I kind of like the under. I feel like defense has given the two weeks uh, come up with pretty good game plans for low-scoring Super Bowls. Uh, we've seen that here somewhat recently um, a few times out. But I I think if you're going to bet touchdowns, Travis Kelsey, um, pretty good option. Um, Jalen Hurts running the ball, I think that's a pretty good option. Um, yeah, I think that those would be my two. Maybe Isaiah Pacheco because I feel like he's just so much better than the other backs that the Chiefs have. Uh, the FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports uh, sportsbook partner of the NFL. Also, thank you for making Locked On Northwestern your first listen every single day. But also, Locked On is heading to the Senior Bowl. Get inside analysis from the host that covered the NFL's next generation in college and find out which NFL draft boards these players will be climbing. All in one location. Subscribe to Locked On NFL Draft for nightly live shows from the Senior Bowl on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 9 p.m. Central Time. So there's two more of those shows this week. Be on the lookout for that. Uh, and, yeah, we're going to talk about this game, how it started to play out for Northwestern. Um, really great opportunity, obviously. And, you know, Northwestern actually got off to a pretty good start. I was pretty encouraged by it. Uh, Nick Martinelli had his most productive half by far, uh, scoring nine points. Northwestern forced a lot of turnovers there early, uh, really made that Iowa team uncomfortable. And you saw Northwestern build a nine-point lead, and I love the energy that they showed early on the road, um, kind of making sure that they didn't dig that hole, because especially with the the factor fatigue factor that this Northwestern team has to be going through digging a hole makes it impossible to compete. There was that nasty, nasty lob from uh boo booey to chase Adige for the one handed alley-oop. Uh, that really, I think was a momentum play Northwestern started to really feel good in that first half, but they're late. And in the late going of the first half, Iowa got crazy hot from three, they come back, they tie it up at 39, and I had a tweet about it. I was like, oh, man, it felt like Northwestern was the better team in the first half, felt like they outplayed them, but that hurts. The way that I was able to, like that, come back, tie up the game at 39, you had to be very concerned because you know that watching Northwestern play these last three games, they've looked a lot better in the first half. Second half, they still played well, but you do see them kind of taper off. So you didn't feel good. I mean, Iowa goes five of ten from three in the first half, um, and they they 
continue to play good basketball. They won the rebounding battle in the first half, I do believe. Uh, in the second half, I mean, it was really the Iowa show. They shot 53.6% from the floor in the second half. Actually, that is down from 58.3% in the first half. Um, it was really – it was unfortunate that we saw um, this Iowa team shoot so well because it just made life so difficult on Northwestern. They're 5'11 from three in the in the second half, 45.5%. Uh, that, that's down from five for 10 in the first half, right at 50%. Um, second half, they're 12 of 13 from the free throw line, uh, 92.3%. You had Peyton Sanford. Uh, he went off for 14 points in the half, and he was really efficient in the process. Five of seven from the field, or four of five from the field, three of four from three, and three for three at the free throw line. He hit... Uh, and and one three where Matt Nicholson fouled him. Well, I don't know how the ball went in, but I mean, you got to tip your cap to him and say what a shot, uh, dumb foul by Nicholson. And there were just a few moments like that for Northwestern where um, some bad possessions, some bad shots, some poor fouls set them up to to not exactly have a uh, great second half there. Um, Philip Rebraccia, he went for 12 in the second half and eight rebounds, five, seven from the field, two of two at the free throw line. Uh, Boo Booey was really the only consistent player on offense for Northwestern in that second half. Uh, he had 14 points. He was five of eight from the field, one of four from three, three of three at the free throw line. His, his threes are still bad. I believe, based on the stats uh, given during the game, he is 12 for his last 49 from three. Um, and he didn't get to the free throw line as much as we've seen from him in some other games. That would have certainly helped. Uh, I mean, he was he was good from the line for the entire game, seven of seven. Um, but the rest of the team did not really get to the line as much as you would have liked as well. I thought Brooks Barnheiser did not shoot particularly well for the game. He's better in the second half, but I thought he gave you great effort. Uh, on the defensive end, um, a couple offensive rebounds, getting second chance opportunities at the rim, passing the basketball. Um, just on the defensive end, I thought he gave you tremendous effort. Uh, something that stuck out to me in that second half is Ty Berry had zero shots. Zero shots. He only had, what, three shots for the game, I believe. No, he had six shots for, for the game. He made three of them. Um, but he, like, for the guy who was as red hot as could be, what, a week ago? Why is he not shooting the ball more? Less than a week ago, actually, with the, with this condensed timeline. Why is he not getting more looks? Um, you could say the same thing for Robbie Barron, guys like that, that just – did not really get opportunities. And you watch that second half and Chase Audige is inefficient. And it, but there's no other options on the offensive end in that second half. It was Boo Booey. It was Chase Audige. And that was about it. Uh, Matt Nicholson got dominated in the second half. Uh, you saw Rebraccia just absolutely kind of dominate him. Uh, not his best game by any stretch. The, the efficiency on offense is fine. 
not a lot of shots. Um, but you just watching the game, he was leaving guys open, uh, getting beat on the bounce, just not his best game, especially in that second half. You get outscored in the second half, 47 to 31, and you lose the game 86 to 70. Not a pretty game for Northwestern um, in the second half. I thought the first half you saw a Northwestern team that was prepared, ready to play, and played and very much played their game. I thought I was very happy with that. Second half, not as much. I think you, we can talk about that and the takeaways here in just a second. Uh, but first, let's talk about our friends from Built Bar. Look, you if you're looking for a delicious treat out there but don't want all the fat and calories, then you got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays in the past month or so. And look, I know my goal is to eat healthier this year. I think I'm doing a pretty good job so far. Uh, if you're like me and you want to eat healthier but you don't want to compromise taste, then look, you've just got to try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious. You won't think they're good for you, but they are, and they're perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes Built so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, 100% real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, chocolate almond. And look, I'm, I'm not sure exactly how they do it, but they taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. What's even better is that they're healthy. I mean, only 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. If you're at Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter, and churro. You can thank me later. Make sure you check out those Built Bars. Also, thank you for making Locked On Northwestern your first listen today. For your second listen, check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, hear from big-name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Look, talking about this, this game, there's some takeaways. Look, it's impossible to stop. It's impossible to beat this Iowa team when they're that hot. They shot 29 of 52 for the game, 55.8%. That's insane. They were 10 of 21 from three, 47.6%. You're not going to win games like that. They were 18 of 22 at the free throw line. Northwestern only shot 14 free throws. So they continued to stretch that margin of free throws made over free throws attempted by their opponents. Uh, Northwestern did hit 12 of their 14 for 85.7%. Five Iowa players were in double figures. Rebraccia, Sanford, uh, Murray, Perkins, and McCaffrey all got to double digits. Rebraccia and Sanford both had 20. I think Murray had 16. I think Perkins may have had 12 and McCaffrey 11. McCaffrey hit a stupid deep three at once or twice in that game. It was frustrating to watch, to be honest with you. Um, Rebraccia absolutely dominated. Nicholson, he had 20 points, 
10 rebounds, four assists, one block. He did have three turnovers, but he was 9 of 13 from the field, uh, 2 of 2 at the line. Nicholson, five points, five rebounds, one assist, one steal, one turnover. 2 of 2 from the field, 1 of 2 at the line. I mean, he's seven foot, 250 pounds. You need more. You need more. You really do um, in a matchup like that where he does have the size on him. I know that Rebracha is experienced and he's skilled and he's a really good player, but you need Nicholson to be better in that matchup. Uh, Northwestern only had two players in double figures for the entire game. That was Audige and Bowie. Bowie had 20. I believe Audige had 16. No, he had 15. Um, but I mean, look, when they're, when they have five guys scoring in double figures and you only have two, things probably aren't going well for your team. Uh, honestly, you need more shots, more looks for Barry, for Martinelli, who was pretty efficient with his looks early. Didn't really get any looks in the second half. Barron's got to get going. Uh, I thought Verhoeven played well. Generally, he's kind of an afterthought for this Northwestern team. He gave you four points, five rebounds, one assist, and four blocks. And honestly, one of his better games of the season. Four of 17 is not going to be good enough going against a team shooting as well as this Iowa team. Uh, I mean, that's that's just not very good at all. I mean, Baron, Barry, Bowie, Barnheiser, and Aldige, who have been your best three-point shooters this year, especially with Roper out. Roper's another addition to that group. But those guys combined for three of 16 from three in this game. That is 18.8%. That is killer in a game like this. You got out-rebounded 33-24. Just another thing to add there. I think fatigue factored in heavily late in this game. It was not going Northwestern's way. Um, and, you know, I think that it all played a role into it. Um, your Kim Palm. Your net rankings after this game wrapped up with the 86-70 loss at Iowa. Uh, you get knocked down to 52 in the Ken Palm. You get knocked down to 49 in the net rankings. Next up, you're at home against Michigan at 6 p.m. on Thursday uh, on ESPN2. Big matchup there because I thought Northwestern could have won that game on the road. You're at home. Fatigue's going to continue to be a factor. But I hope that the crowd, I hope that the environment can give Northwestern enough energy to pull off that upset. A Michigan team that um, kind of got uh, destroyed over the weekend, I think, by Penn State. Something to keep an eye on uh, for sure. But that's going to do it for today's episode. Appreciate you tuning in. Uh, thank you for making Locked on Northwestern your first listen every single day. We're available wherever you get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever. We're also on YouTube. Just search Locked on Northwestern. You can find us there. Uh, wherever you're listening, make sure you are subscribed and you turn on notifications. You don't want to miss an episode. We're going to continue to uh, cover this crazy run by Northwestern um, in this these six games in 13 days um, as they are now on the back third of it through four games, uh, three and one so far. We're going to continue to cover that. Uh, I'm your host, Carter Bird. Appreciate you tuning in. You can follow me on social media at CarterBird13. And I'll see you all next time.